from Michigan Radio. This is It's Just Politics. I'm Zoe Clark. Gun safety. I refuse to let future generations of students grow up like we have, living in constant worry that any day could be their last. Decriminalizing abortion. It's terrifying to know that a nearly century-old ban remains on Michigan's law books, threatening to label me a felon. And adding LGBTQ protections to the state's civil rights law. It is immoral to deny someone their right to identify how they choose and how they truly are inside of themselves. Plus, moving big tax breaks through both chambers. It was a busy week in Lansing, and there are no better folks to have us break down what is happening, and maybe more importantly, the why, than Emily Lawler, politics editor at the Detroit Free Press. Hi, Emily. Hey. Chad Livengood, politics editor at the Detroit News. Hello, Chad. Hey, Zoe. And Rick Pluta, he is co-host of It's Just Politics and senior capital correspondent at the Michigan Public Radio Network. Hello, Rick. Hi, Zoe. So, Emily, we have talked a lot since the November election about the fact that Democrats who haven't been in charge in Lansing in 40 years are now in control. And this idea that they have thus four decades worth of pent up policy proposals. And this week, the Democratic social policy agenda was front and center. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, you saw the response to the MSU shooting and that those um, gun safety bills really moved up the legislative calendar. Um, We saw both the House and Senate um, committees open hearings on those this week. I wouldn't be surprised if those moved pretty quickly. And then we saw a first chamber passage of um, the LGBT protections uh, amended the, into the Elliot Larson Civil Rights Act in the Senate, um, and then in the House, the first swipe at uh, repealing some of the um, 1931 uh, abortion law and associated items in the penal code as well. So, um, you know, it was really sort of a, a strong start. I know it, that it sounds kind of strange to say it's a start in March here, <laughs> but I think, you know, getting all of those bills drafted and through the committee process is certainly something that takes takes a few weeks. And I think the legislature really, like like you say, this week was a definitive step uh, toward their policy agenda. Yeah, they're definitely, for lack of a better word, marching forward here, especially since they got the tax relief uh, figured out. They got a bill passed repealing parts of the tax on pensions uh, that they have long sought since the decades since uh, former Governor Rick Snyder and the Republican legislature implemented that. They've also restored the earned income tax credit. And those were huge campaign priorities for Democrats. They didn't get immediate tax relief. They didn't get uh, rebate checks uh, because they couldn't get uh, enough votes from Republicans to make the uh, law have immediate effect. But they did get their main agenda passed. And now they're just clearly just kind of pushing forward on other items at what looks like could be, you know, some pretty uh, quick and breakneck speed. And we will dig into all the details and what taxes folks will and won't be possibly seeing soon. Um, But let's quickly get back to the social agenda. And Rick, you reported on the gun safety bill hearings this week. There were two days of hearings in a state Senate committee. Where do things stand? 
I think it's fair to say that gun bills in this session will not languish, but they're also not moving with lightning speed. We don't know exactly when the committee process will morph into sending bills to the floor to be voted on. And it seems like that's because Democrats want to make sure that they take the time to make the strong case that this is the way to go, that even though there's a lot of interest in moving gun control bills ahead after the tragedies at Oxford and MSU, that there's also going to be a legal and a moral platform created to sort of inoculate these from the arguments that are made against them regarding self-defense and potential court challenges, that uh, all of that, you know, will come into uh, play. Emily, the state house repealed the state's 1931 abortion law that criminalizes abortion uh, this week. That's even though it's no longer constitutional. This was significant, though, particularly because many Democrats ran on this issue in November. That's even though Proposal 3, adding reproductive freedom to the state's constitution, passed. Yeah, I think it's no question that Democrats owe some of their electoral success to the fact that um, that ballot proposal, Proposal 3, which enshrines a right to abortion um, in the Constitution and a right to reproductive freedom overall, um, was responsible for helping Dems up and down the ticket. On paper, this looked like it could be a Republican-leaning year, um, and it turned out the opposite of that here in Michigan, I think largely due to the fact that we did have that proposal on the ballot. So, you know, I think that sort of becomes a mandate for, for Democrats to do something about these laws, even though they are dormant. We saw, you know, those laws had been dormant since the 1970s when uh, the Roe Ro versus Wade decision came down. But when the Supreme Court overturned that decision, we really saw the state thrown into uncertainty um, and relying on some legal cases and court rulings that could be kind of piecemeal and confusing to keep abortion legal in the state. And I think that, you know, with Dobbs throwing Roe into question and, you know, even though there is this constitutional protection now, I think that there's a vested interest from Democratic lawmakers in making sure that we don't throw ourselves into that state of confusion again and frankly, just cleaning up the books, right? Um, these laws have not only been rendered unenforceable, but uh, unconstitutional based on what we added to our Constitution this last election. And Chad, similarly to that, LGBTQ protections being added to the state civil rights law, right? The state Supreme Court ruled. But again, it was still in legislation. Yeah, we've learned over time that if you just leave things on the books, the uh, Supreme Courts of the state and the U.S. can change and they will change and then you get thrown back into like like we have the situation with the 1931 abortion law which which also by the way dated back to the 1840s uh, and this was a law criminalizing abortion uh decades before women even had a right to vote uh or before slavery was outlawed in this country so this was this is really kind of cleaning the books up to say the least trying to make it modern and, and reflective of the will of the people. And back to, just for a second, back to uh, Rick's earlier point about the gun legislation. The Democrats are going to take their time to get this right. They are already facing problems from opponents that these specific bills wouldn't change the scenario of how the gunmen at MSU got handguns legally and went on campus and, and, uh, and went on a rampage. And they're trying to figure out how to basically address the raw tragedy 
just miles away from the Capitol and at the same time uh, get something that can pass and, and get something that can pass when you only have very, very narrow majority at 56, 54 in the House and 2018 in the Senate. And so this is the kind of the story of this legislature is is trying to uh, walk a very fine line and uh, make sure everybody uh, everybody uh, can be at session and in person in order to, to get the votes you need. And Democratic leaders, uh, especially uh, Senate Majority Leader Winnie Brinks and the uh, committee chair Stephanie Chang, have have said repeatedly that, you know, right now we're talking about background checks and safe storage laws and and, and things of that sort. But this is just the first wave of legislation that we should expect dealing with um, guns, gun violence and mental health services and just the whole panoply of things that come into play when we talk about not just access to guns, but why people act out violently. I also think it's worth noting that, you know, one difference in this Democratic-led legislature versus the Republican-led legislature is that they're looking to put people on the record about this. Um, You know, frankly, these gun bills haven't come up for committee hearings, um, but they also haven't come up for floor votes. And frankly, there could be um, some Republicans who have to make some tough decisions about how they're going to vote on these bills. And Um, You know, we actually, the Free Press undertook a survey of how lawmakers were thinking about the concepts behind these bills. And there's some openness on the Republican side, I think, to working on versions of these bills that they could support, too. So I think just putting people on the record will be a a different step than we've seen in the past. Indeed, Emily, we talked to your colleague, Clara Hendrickson, last week, and she sort of ran down where Democrats and Republicans stood. We also talked about recent polling from Glenn Gariff Group that shows Michigan voters are in favor of safe storage laws, universal background checks, as well as red flag laws. That's Emily Lawler, politics editor at the Detroit Free Press. We're also joined by Rick Pluta, senior capital correspondent at the Michigan Public Radio Network, and Chad Livengood, politics editor at the Detroit News. So, Chad, let's turn back to economic policy. You talked a little bit about it at at the top of the show. Tuesday and Wednesday felt a little like watching a tennis game. Um, That's if the tennis ball was tax breaks and there were also multiple tennis balls all sort of going at once. So we've got this issue of economic incentives plus the repeal of the state's pension tax and increasing the earned income tax credit. How is this all working out at once? Uh, well, it's seemingly barely working out all at once. But uh, yeah, we, the the governor made a priority to try to uh, lock in some money uh, for economic incentives in this sort of interstate battle for uh, automotive uh electric vehicle battery plants and and uh and automotive uh, investments in general and we've seen this with the big uh gm investment uh in the new new plant their battery plant they're building west of lansing and uh, their expansion of their orion uh township uh, assembly plant and now ford has come along and, and wanted to get basically the same type of level of subsidy um either through cash or through um uh, development of land on a on a piece of a uh, vacant piece of, of, of farmland in Calhoun County to build a battery plant there, um, and and we're talking uh, enormous sums of cash. Uh, th- that this is a major shift in state policy just in the mm-hmm. last that's new in the last sixteen months, where the state government is now just writing whole nine figure checks 
uh, to massive uh, large corporations like General Motors and and Ford Motor Company in order to uh, subsidize uh, keeping uh, manufacturing jobs in Michigan. And and so th- that the the legislature has been dealing wrestling with we need, we need to do something to uh, make good on our promises to bring you know uh, some financial relief to folks and we also got to try to compete for these jobs with these southern states because we don't want to get upended like we and embarrassed like we did in the fall of 2021 when Ford announced they were going to build 11 billion dollars worth of plants in in Kentucky and Tennessee and so this is the the balancing act that's been going on is 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 uh, well, let's here's a billion dollars of tax relief which is what they pass with the earned income tax credit and the pension uh, tax eventually when it's all phased in in three or four years it will be worth a billion dollars in savings and then here's a billion dollars basically for Ford and and other companies uh, to try to uh, keep their investments here in Michigan and that's that's the kind of current game they're playing right now. Emily, that is these sort of tax incentives. To Chad's point, you could talk for hours about sort of the politics, um, some of the interesting bedfellows that we see in terms of Republicans and Democrats and who's voting for these economic incentives, some of it depending on, you know, whether it's in your district or not. But I want to also, in the last few minutes that we have, turn to the earned income tax credit and the state's pension tax and the fact that because of how the legislature moved some bills this week, taxpayers will not be getting a $180 rebate check, but could instead see a drop in state income taxes. This is a lot to watch. It is. And you're describing legislative sausage, right? Like these are a lot of ideas that were all shoehorned into into the same package. Uh So taking it one by one, I guess. Um, Overall, I think the Democrats for a long time, and actually this is an idea that a lot of um, Republicans uh, agree on too, have wanted to undo some of the um, components of the 2011 tax overhaul, um, specifically the ones targeting retirees, um, restoring some of those exemptions uh, for retirement income um, uh, from the income tax, and then also um, the earned income tax credit. Michigan had cut down to, um, this is a tax credit for low-income working families, um, and uh, the federal credit exists, and Michigan had cut its match, I guess, or its related credit down to 6% of the federal credit. Um, They're upping it to 30% under this package. So, um, you know, there are some pretty significant tax benefits for both low-income workers and um, retirees, but that $180 was the only plan um, for relief for the middle middle class. So um, because of how that passed, as you mentioned, um, that $180 will not happen. Um, and uh, essentially, it couldn't get enough votes for immediate effect to take effect quickly enough for it to do the mechanical thing it was designed to do <laughs> in terms of avoiding an income tax cut. So I, I expect that the um, you know the middle class won't see those $180 checks. None of us will see those $180 checks, but we're still waiting for the numbers to be finalized. What we could see is a 0.2% cut in the income tax rate overall. And there's some debate as to whether that's one time or ongoing, um, but that could be some relief headed the average family's way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that the $180 rebate checks are, are those are dead in the water. 
And it's a it's a big difference between Republicans and Democrats because Republicans want to go back to their constituencies and say, we held firm against Governor Whitmer. We held firm against the Democrats. And so what we've got now is, as Emily pointed out, there might be some argument over it. But what we've got now is a permanent decrease in the income tax rate, which is the sort of tax relief, quote unquote, that Republicans uh, prefer. As far as the earned income tax credit, I mean, the interesting thing about that is Everybody wants to increase the earned income tax credit, which was rolled back during the Snyder years to make way for a business tax cut. Everybody wants it. And that was the problem, that that got attached to all other kinds of tax schemes and incentives. And we are seeing uh, it'll be read in um, next week, a bill to now make the earned income tax credit and restoring that to 30 percent of the federal credit, just a standalone bill. And it'll go through hearings and all that, but it will be adopted with wide bipartisan support. That is Rick Pluta, co-host of It's Just Politics and senior capital correspondent at the Michigan Public Radio Network. Also with us, Chad Livengood, politics editor at the Detroit News, and Emily Lawler, politics editor at the Detroit Free Press. There was so much going on in Lansing this week. Super thankful for you three helping us better understand what it all means and why. Thanks, y'all. You bet. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Zoe. And if you're looking for more details on some of the legislation and policy proposals that we talked about today, head to michiganradio.org. There on the It's Just Politics page, we're linking to a bunch of different articles that you can dig into yourself. And of course, if you're looking for even more politics here, subscribe to the It's Just Politics podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. And that's It's Just Politics for today. I am Zoe Clark. Let's talk again next Friday. Thank you.